Sorta Kinda Superpowered by James Kennison. Chapter 8. Hello? Joseph? Joseph? Joseph's mom was nearly shouting through the phone. Mom! He shouted. Something's wrong with Grandpa! Tell me exactly what's happening, she said soberly. It seems like something's upset him. He's shaking all over, and he looks really scared. Talk to him, she said. Does he respond? Grandpa! Joseph shouted. Grandpa's eyes shot over, locking onto Joseph's. Yes, he's looking at me. Okay, Joseph, Grandpa's fine. He's just gotten worked up. It's a little surprising, but it's okay. He's not in any danger, but I need you to calm him down. Is the TV on? Yes, Joseph shouted. Turn it off, said his mother, and calm yourself down. You're shouting, and that's not helping. Okay, sorry, Joseph said, jamming his finger into the television's power button. Okay, it's off. Go behind Grandpa's chair and put your arm around his neck. Just kind of hold him, she says. He spun away from the TV and in three large steps had positioned himself behind Grandpa's chair. He knelt over and slung his free arm across his grandfather's chest, his head resting against his grandfather's right temple. Grandpa was still shaking, trying to speak. I'm holding him, Mom. What now? Just stay with him. Soon he'll probably forget whatever's got him upset and then he'll most likely fall asleep. Just keep an eye on him. Set his chair back a bit and put a blanket on him if he's cold, his mother said coolly. His grandfather was already relaxing, the taunt muscles in his neck and chest. Joseph felt his own muscles relax a bit in response. He's calming down, Joseph breathed. He kept the phone to his ear. His grandfather's breathing slowed, the shaking stopped, and then finally his body completely relaxed back into his chair. His head slid down, down until his chin met his chest, and a faint snore could be heard. Grandpa was sleeping just as his mother had predicted. He's out, Mom, Joseph said, unwrapping himself from his grandfather. He stood, reclined the chair, and set Grandpa's head gently back against the headrest. He looks a lot better, Joseph pulled a blanket from the couch. What got him going, his mother asked. Joseph froze for a moment, reviewing the last few minutes. Well, Clovis and I were watching the news with him at first, and then I was telling him about everything that happened yesterday with the pen, and then I mentioned that Dr. Superior might be visiting. Hmm. His mother thought for a moment and then laughed. Well, maybe he doesn't like Dr. Superior. I don't know. It could have been anything, really. Are you okay? Yeah, Joseph said. His own heart rate had returned to normal. I mean about everything. She waited for his answer. Joseph told her the truth. Mostly, he said. He could hear children's voices growing louder through the phone. I have to go. I love you, hon, she said quieter and closer to the phone. She always made it easy to return the gesture. How much do you love me? She asked. A heck of a lot more than dad, he said. It was their joke. Exactly, she laughed. I'll be home regular time. If not, I'll call. Mom, Joseph said. Yes? I love you too. And he quickly pushed the red button ending the call. His cheeks flushed hot. It wasn't something he said every day. The phone rang almost instantly, shocking Joseph so badly he nearly dropped it. Grandpa snorted in his sleep. Joseph pressed the green button. Hello? The monotone vocals of a pre-recorded female began to play. Hello, this call is a message from Superior Industries for Joseph Gardner on behalf of Dexter Visser. Please stand by for the message. Mr. Visser's voice played. Hello, Gardner family. It's Dexter Visser. Dr. Superior said he wanted to come by for a visit. Tonight, if that's okay with everyone. We're looking at 6.30 if that's cool. The robot woman's voice came back on. The preceding message requires a response. 
If the response is yes, please say yes. If the response is no, say no. Joseph was so excited, he yelled into the phone, Heck yeah, robot lady! You don't need to yell, the voice said. Joseph laughed at how smart the superior industry system was. I can't help but yell, robot lady, Joseph said. Then using his deepest voice, he added, How would you like to go on a robo-date with the guy that's going to be visited by Dr. Superior? I can assure you, young man, that Mr. Visser does not employ robots, female or otherwise, the voice said. And even if I were a robot, I wouldn't be interested in dating a middle school boy. Joseph almost choked on his own spit. I'm sorry, I thought you were... I'll pass the message along. Thank you, said the not-robot lady. Then she hung up. Joseph's face was burning. It was a real woman. Probably the woman from behind the counter in the lobby of the museum. Joseph made a mental note to never visit the museum again. The phone rang, startling him yet again. Completely befuddled by the embarrassment of the last call, he threw the phone in the air, juggling it for a moment, trying to grab a hold. It came down, settling in his arms, not unlike a cradled newborn. Snatching it up, he hit the green button before the second ring. Hello, he said quietly, afraid it might be the not-robot lady calling back. It's Mom. Listen, Mr. Visser's office just called here at work. Dr. Superior is coming by the house this evening to meet you. Joseph wanted to tell her he already knew, but then he'd have to share about how he tried to ask out the receptionist. Mom continued. Finish your homework, pick up the house, put on a clean shirt. Got it? She said. Yes, he answered, but the line had already clicked off. Joseph picked up his grandfather's blanket from the floor, flapping it until it billowed out like a parachute, and then let it float down, tucking Grandpa in as the blanket settled. He left the TV room, grabbed his backpack, and headed to the kitchen table. Dr. Superior was coming tonight! It felt good. Something finally felt good for a change. Outside of Mr. Visser, his friend, and his mother, no one in the world knew that he had saved the day, but Dr. Superior would know and it was going to be really good to be able to talk to him. To hear how much returning the pen had meant to him personally, plus, this was freaking Dr. Superior, one of the best enhanced heroes in history. There was a lot to do. Homework first, with a snack, then pick up the house, next change into a shirt that didn't have Grandpa spit on it. Oh, and he had to tell Clovis. He slammed down his backpack, ripped open the zipper, and pulled out a stack of books, folders, and his binder. But first, he said in his best Dr. Superior impression, Pre-algebra! The next two hours were a blur of notebook paper, calculations, cheese crackers, vacuuming, and dishwashing. After that, he called Clovis to share the news. Why are you calling me? I'm right outside your back door, Clovis said. Come let me in. Joseph turned and unlocked the door. Clovis entered, sliding his phone into his pocket. Somebody's been cleaning in here, Clovis said, looking around, acting impressed. I know it's always a special event when I come over, but you didn't have to do all this. Joseph didn't know any other way to break the news. Dr. Superior is going to be here. Clovis froze for a moment. He didn't look happy as Joseph thought he would. He looked rather horrified, actually. I just peed a little, Clovis said in a very high-pitched voice. A small wet spot had formed on his jeans near his zipper. Clovis covered the area with both hands and quickly hobbled toward the hall bathroom, locking himself in. Joseph tried to stifle his laughter by clamping his lips together, but soon the pressure blew through like a cartoon trumpet. He ran to the bathroom, pressing his ear to the door, attempting to laugh silently. He could hear the tap running. Do you need anything? Joseph asked. A diaper, perhaps? You can have one of my grandpa's. What I need is a pair of pants and a new friend, Clovis shouted. Did you say Dr. Superior is here now? 
No, Joseph answered. I said he was going to be here at 630. Dude, Clovis shouted. You got to be careful with that kind of news. I thought he was here already. You know how I get when I'm overstimulated? Sorry, man, Joseph said, trying to remember a time that Clovis had ever peed himself. I didn't realize. Do you need pants? Joseph heard his mother's hair dryer blowing loud. No, Clovis said over the noise. I've got an hour to dry these things. I'll be fine. Put a towel on and let me throw them in the dryer, Joseph offered. The hair dryer clicked off. Then after some shuffling and a loud bump, followed by an ouch that Joseph assumed was Clovis hitting his head on the counter, the door opened and Clovis's arms appeared holding a half-soaked pair of jeans. Joseph started to grab them but thought better of it. Is the pee gone? He asked. I can't guarantee that it's gone, Clovis said from around the door, but it's definitely well diluted. Grabbing the dry half of the jeans, Joseph walked to the kitchen, tossed them in the dryer, slammed the door, and pushed the start button. When he turned, Clovis was standing barefoot in the kitchen. The only towel I could find was the one hanging over the side of the tub, Clovis said, his bottom half wrapped in a patch of sky-blue carpet. That's the bathroom rug, stupid, Joseph howled. I wondered why it was so scratchy, Clovis said, adjusting the rug, completely unfazed by Joseph's laughter. Here, let me get you a real one. Joseph passed and snatched the rug on his way to the linen closet. Clovis was left standing in his white underwear. Just hurry, Clovis said, looking around. The front door opened and Mrs. Gardner entered. Clovis screamed, streaked past down the hall and into the safety of the bathroom. Joseph, are you here? Mrs. Gardner called out. Yeah, I'm here, Joseph answered from the hall. Good. Why is Clovis running around my house in his underwear? She called out, still standing in the doorway. Um, Joseph tried to think of a way to tell her without heaping any additional embarrassment on his friend. I told him about Dr. Superior coming over. He thought I said he was already here. And let's just say that, well, you know how puppies, when they get excited, sometimes they... Joseph couldn't think of any other way to put it. When I told him about Dr. Superior... He peed his pants. Clovis's groan echoed loudly from the bathroom. You're in luck, Mrs. Gardner said, grinning, now entering the house. Or should I say, you're in luck? You can borrow a pair of Joseph's pants. Joseph changed into his favorite t-shirt and brought Clovis a pair of jeans. You're not wearing that, she said, taking off her coat. Go put on something with buttons on the front. What's wrong with it? Joseph asked, looking down at his royal blue tee emblazoned with a classic 1950s police box. It doesn't have any buttons on the front. Go! She spun him by the shoulders and pushed him toward his room and then walked to the TV room to check on her father. Joseph came back in a moment, wearing a brown polo and a smarmy look on his face. He had kept his t-shirt on underneath. Perfect, his mother said, adjusting her father's head on a thin pillow. She sat and checked his pulse, counting with her analog watch. She seemed pleased. She stood and kissed him on the forehead. Has he been up at all? She asked. No, he's been like that since I called you, Joseph smiled, except he's farted like ten times. Oh, that's nothing new, his mom finished smiling herself. He's done that my entire life. The house looks good, she said, turning around. Clovis appeared from the hallway with Joseph's jeans lashed tight around his waist with a belt. Clovis looks much better, she said. They'll be here any minute. I've got to change. One of my kids hugged me around the leg during crafts, and now I've got dried paste all over my rear. She dashed down the hall to her room and closed the door. Any minute turned into over an hour. Mrs. Gardner put off dinner, assuming they'd eat after the meetup. When it was obvious Dr. Superior was going to be late, Joseph turned on a movie. He chose his favorite, The Mysterious Men. 
It was about a group of people with odd powers who tried to be superheroes. It seemed ironically appropriate considering the week they had just had. They were watching the first scene where a gang of bad guys were attacking a party full of old people when the doorbell rang followed by three sharp taps on the door. The boy sprang up from the couch. Joseph felt his chest trying to climb its way into his neck. Even Mrs. Gardner had to stop herself from hopping around like a schoolgirl. Joseph looked at his mother with panic in his eyes. She smiled. Come on, it's probably not even him, she said. Joseph bounded to the couch, pushed aside the curtain and looked through the blinds. A giant man with blonde hair and a cape was standing just outside the front door. He was looking around like you do when you're waiting for someone to answer the door. It was Dr. Superior, wearing the same purple uniform from the first time Joseph had seen him. No, it's him, Joseph said to his mother. The doorbell rang again. Three more taps. Mrs. Gardner pulled Joseph off the couch, stood behind him, and pushed him toward the front door. Come on, she said to Clovis. Clovis trailed behind, walking with his knees pushed together, trying not to wet himself. Joseph put his hand on the doorknob. Okay, he said, shrugging his mother's hands from his shoulders. His knees felt like jelly. He turned the knob, opened the door, and there was Dr. Superior in the flesh. Well, hello there, young man, Dr. Superior said. Come out here where we can get a look at you. Joseph stepped out into the front mat and walked with Dr. Superior onto the lawn. Joseph realized the we he was referring to was a group of five people with cameras and audio equipment. One of them was filming, another recording audio with a very fluffy microphone. The rest were snapping pictures. Once they were in full view of the group, Dr. Superior turned toward Joseph and held out his hand. Joseph shook it, looking up at the hero as he smiled at the cameras. Joseph, he said loudly, still focused on the group. Because of your services to Superior Industries, myself, and the entire world, it is my great honor to present you. Superior paused momentarily, fishing for something from behind his belt. I present you with this pen. Time seemed to freeze for Joseph. He gasped and nearly choked on the amount of air that was rushing in. Was Dr. Superior giving him the pen after all? He listened intently to the rest of the statement. For valiant service, Dr. Superior finished. It wasn't the pen. It was a pen. It was shiny, round, and golden with a gathered ribbon wreath and a single red ribbon coming down from behind. The exact pen you would imagine someone getting at the state fair for a first prize hog. Granted, it was much nicer than what a farmer might find pinned to a sow's ear, but it could have been made from pure gold and it still would have been a disappointment to Joseph. Again, a hearty thanks for myself and all of us at Superior Industries, where the future hits home. Dr. Superior finished, his huge toothy grin glued to his face as he held down the ribbon to Joseph. Joseph wasn't able to move for several seconds. He could feel the cameras looking at him. There was an expected response. He was supposed to be thrilled, receive the pen, shake Dr. Superior's hand, and be the happiest sixth grader in the world. Instead, he wanted to run in the house and cry his eyes out like a dumb baby. He opted for the more mature approach, and he sucked down his emotions and put on the show. He reached up and received the pen from Dr. Superior. He smiled at the cameras, holding the pen in place on his chest, and then shook Dr. Superior's hand again. Superior spoke a bit more about the youth of America and how they could all learn a lesson from this fine boy. Justice was thinking hard again. He felt activated in some way, like when the pen had first landed in his hand. He looked up at Superior. The cameras will love this shot, he thought. 
and on the thin collar around Dr. Superior's neck, he saw not just one, but two small golden shield-shaped pins. Two pins? Isn't that right, Joseph? Dr. Superior asked, and Joseph had no idea what he was supposed to be agreeing to. It didn't matter, though. We're just putting on a show. That's right, Dr. Superior, he said like a kid in a TV commercial. He couldn't take his eyes off the pair of pins. There were two all this time, or was one just for decoration? He wished he could get closer to them just to see if anything crazy would happen. It's young people like Joseph Gardner here that remind us all to put others first, to sacrifice self to save society, and to give, and then keep on giving. Joseph realized this wasn't going to be a real visit. It was an opportunity for a celebrity to look good on TV. His eyes flashed quickly between his mom and Clovis. Being off camera, they didn't have to put on a false face. He could see that they were both just as disappointed as he was. Joseph flashed a helpless look to his mother, then turned his focus back to the pins on Superior's neck. So let's all do our part to keep America strong. And remember, Dr. Superior said with emotion heavy in his voice, you don't have to be enhanced to be a hero. He reached out with his arm, grabbed Joseph and pulled him in for a tight side hug. He froze for a moment as the cameras clicked, then let go. And we're clear, a man with a video camera said. Thanks, guys, Dr. Superior said. That was perfect. And if it wasn't, we'll clean it up in editing. Dexter wants something to look at on his desk first thing tomorrow. The crew loaded into a van marked with the Superior Industries logo, backed out of the driveway, and disappeared down the street. That wasn't the news, Joseph said, a bit baffled. Oh, no, son, those were my people, Dr. Superior said, looking down on Joseph. We're not going public with the real story. The award I just gave you was for returning a piece of valuable evidence I accidentally dropped after leaving a crime scene. And tomorrow, everyone in the new Atlanta metro area will have seen that video. Oh, Joseph said, unimpressed. Sorry, Dexter wanted to get that out of the way first thing. Let me meet you properly. I'm Dr. Superior. Dexter told me all about you. About all of you, he said, eyeing Clovis and Mrs. Gardner. He pumped Joseph's hand a little gentler this time. You must be D, Superior called out, beaming at Miss Gardner. He reached for her hand and kissed it as if she were a princess. Nice to meet you, he said, bowing low. Clovis, Superior shouted as if he had known Clovis all his life. The loyal and well-written best friend. Dr. Superior winked. Clovis's smile faltered a bit as he gave Superior his hand. Would you like to come in, Joseph's mother asked. Please say yes, Joseph screamed inside his head. Of course, Superior replied graciously with that trademark hero voice. It would be my pleasure. Joseph wondered if he spoke like that all the time. Clovis crossed his legs a little tighter, then filed in behind everyone as they followed Joseph's mother into the house. This concludes Chapter 8. Visit SortaKindOfSuperpower.com for updates, hero illustrations, and more.